If you have your Bibles with you today or your Bible apps on your phone, find with me the book of uh, the book of Luke, chapter 12. Luke, Luke, chapter 12. I, I started a couple weeks ago new series of messages called Rich in God. All right. Now, if you didn't hear part one and part two, just going to give you a heads up. This is connected to those. It might seem obvious, but I like to make extra, uh, draw extra attention to that during this series because the subject of, of wealth and riches is often misunderstood and misinterpreted. And, and uh, any one of these messages taken by themselves uh, could be twisted a little bit. And so I want you to see things in context, right? We like to do that with all subjects. But riches are a big, big subject in the Bible. And uh, to ignore the subject would, would dishonor God. It would be dishonoring to the scriptures. It would be a disservice to you if you came to church here for an extended period of time. And you never heard anything about this subject, uh, you would have to say, what's up? What's going on here? Why are you guys leaving this big part of the Bible out? <laughs> right? And so, uh, it's not our intention to leave any, any main subject out. We want to bring the full counsel of God. Uh, and so, uh, this is a very important subject, and it's one of those that we don't, we don't want to take a position and then look for scriptures to back it up. We want to see what the Word of God has to say, let it speak for itself, right? Let God speak for Himself, uh, look for the Word of God and say, I'm going to adapt my beliefs to what the Word of God actually says, as opposed to, well, I like things, so I like money's messages about riches. <laughs> or if you've been taught in certain segments of the body of Christ, you start mentioning money in church and there's, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those people, and people have their preconceived ideas instead of letting God speak for himself, and so we want to do that. I do that the best I can. I, I, I'm not perfect by any means, but I, I'm certainly endeavoring to not just give you my opinion. If I give you my opinion, I like to give you a shout out about that. This is what I think, right? Because there's, there's not a verse on everything. Uh, but what we want to see what the Word of God has to say about the subject. I, I gave you um, previously two extremes regarding wealth and riches and so forth. One of them is poverty, and the other one is covetousness, okay? I realize those are not opposites. You would say, you know, poverty and prosperity would be more opposites, but prosperity is not an extreme as I've taught. It can, it can be extremized. <laughs> it can be twisted for sure, but nevertheless by itself for you to be successful in life is not like you're some, you know, extremist. You're just way out there. Well, well you're, you're succeeding in life. You're, <laughs> you have extra. <laughs> well, that's not strange. That's pretty much normal. All right. And so we want to stay in the middle of the road. Uh, one of the main components to, to making this work is the, the, the virtue and value of contentment. This is taught by the Lord himself, by the other apostles. Again and again, we learned the value and need for contentment. It's a learned condition, but it can exist independent of our circumstances. 
not I will be content when I have this, when I have these material needs met, or when this uh, job is, is mine, or something like that. No, you can and ought to find contentment in your relationship with God. He becomes the source of your satisfaction, independent of anything that's happening out here. When you do that, you are set up to succeed in Him. Not just succeed in this world, but to succeed the right way. Now, one of the ways that we can do this, and you can put this into motion immediately, if you want to be a content person, be thankful. Be a thankful person. And I don't mean just theoretically, but practically exercise yourself towards being thankful. What do you have? What blessings are in your life? Thank God for them every day. Whenever you, or whenever you think about it, thank you, Lord, for this. The discontent person is always pondering, thinking about what they don't have, what they can't do, what's not working. And that's, that's a, a sure recipe for discontentment. You'll be sad and be down and depressed, but if you'll just keep your eye on things that are working, things that you do have, what God has blessed you with, and give thanks continually and repeatedly for that, you'll keep yourself out of that other ditch. Yeah? And you can do this on purpose. In fact, if you're not accustomed to it, if you do feel, you know, like a lot of things are missing, like you're not really, uh, you're not very satisfied in life, I can almost guarantee you a thankful practice is missing in your life. And so you can start like, you know, you can do it under your breath like while I'm speaking. You can implement this immediately and your heart will start to change. Your, your, your soul, your, your discontent soul will be dislodged, <laughs> and you'll start to become more grateful and therefore more content. Because really, you know, all depression and discontentment centers around selfishness. Okay? And I know when I make that statement, it hurts sometimes <laughs> if someone is feeling mighty low. Uh, but if we can eliminate that selfishness, we can find true contentment. And uh, how many know when you want something too much, anything, you want anything too much, you are tempted to, to achieve, to gain that thing through wrong methods. There are so many things that are, that are fine. They're, they're not inherently good or bad. They're just they just are what they are. But if you set your focus on it, you set your eyes on it, you become consumed with it, you want it so much, now the temptation comes in to, you know, break your integrity, to do things in an immoral way, maybe step on someone else to get it. It becomes the, so, the focal point, the centerpiece of your life, and we want to avoid that, right? Avoid making, letting anything have that that place. It even happens with good things. Like it happens in, in ministers, uh, pastors who want to have a larger church are sometimes tempted to back off on certain messages, water down the scriptures or set aside the move of the Holy Spirit because, you know, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers lest they leave and take their money with them. Right? And so, you know, people even doing the work of God sometimes get tempted. Reaching more people is a godly desire. But it can't, you have to watch out that it's not the highest desire. Right? I need to find fulfillment in 
in following God's plan. Lord, how do you want me to represent you? What, you? what do you want me to do? Let the chips fall. I believe the word will produce fruit and following your plan will work. But the people are tempted to go alternate routes. Yeah? And so you have some nice desires, some good things that you want to do in your life and in financial goals and all. And it's fine as long as we learn how to do this properly and do it God's way. That's why I call this rich in God, not just rich. <laughs> so do you want people to be rich? Well, kind of, but I, I recognize that some of them are going to get messed up if that's all they have. I want you to be rich in God. I want, I want your, you to do things His way. You know, Hebrews 13, 5 reads, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. All right. So what am I supposed to be satisfied with? Him in my life. He is with me. He will never leave me. That car, that thing will break down. It'll run out. It'll, you know, it'll depreciate quickly and all kinds of, but the Lord, He will not depreciate. <laughs> he will not even need an oil change, let alone a car wash. He, uh, it's like, uh, you know, the famous minister Smith Wigglesworth famously said, I'd rather have God's anointing on me for five minutes than to own the world with a fence around it. Yeah. What? You mean like the whole world? He'd be the owner? He said, yeah, just give me time in God's presence. And that is more valuable. That's someone who has experienced God beyond this earthly realm and beyond material things. If we see things clearly, we would never trade our integrity or our focus or our relationship with God for anything of this earth. And I pray that we can see things the way they really are. Um, there's a guy, another famous person in the Bible known as, as Solomon. Solomon was a king of Israel. He was David's son. And uh, David was, you know, highly successful as a king and leading that nation. And so to be a, his successor, little bit of a challenge, that big shoes to fill, as you might say. Uh, and, but Solomon, in his early days, had a, a dream one night, and the Lord appeared to him, and it seemed to be one of these dreams where he could actually make a decision when you read about it. And the Lord said to him in the dream, he said, ask me for whatever you want. <laughs> Blank check from God. Here you go. Ask me for whatever you want. And Solomon's response was, was, was noble. He basically was saying, I'm just like a kid filling, jumping into this position. He had humility, recognizing his need. And so he, he, he asked, he said, Lord, give me an understanding heart. As we sometimes will say, he asked for wisdom. Give me, give me the capacity to lead these people, this great nation. Give me understanding. And you, you know what God's response to that was? The script, it says in 1 Kings 3.10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And again, he could have asked for wealth beyond measure. He could have asked for length of days. He could have asked for the life of his, of his enemies. He, could have, he asked for this wisdom, this understanding heart, and it pleased God. And you know what the result of this, if you know the story, uh, Solomon is also known not only as the wisest person, but as the wealthiest person. He gained wealth 
extraordinary, extreme. He had so much wealth. Why? Well, his, his request pleased the Lord, and so the Lord said, I'm not only going to give you that, I'm going to give you all this other stuff too, because you asked right, because you prioritized correctly. Do you think God is still that way? Yeah. Would that still be, if we were to, to look at our own prayer lives, if you were to go back last few years, and, and if you were to list all the things that you have asked, sought God about, trusted Him, God in faith about, concerning your own life. You know, you might have some things that are financial, you might have some health, you might have some number of things in there, okay? And they're, they're all fine, they're not bad. But have you sought God for an understanding heart, to have wisdom? Because when I read this, I'm thinking, well, if I prioritize that, I get everything else. But it's not really with that motive. It's if I had to choose one or the other, and I would value this above everything else, God would be pleased with that request. It's not that he wouldn't grant the other requests, but he would be most pleased with this one, because then I'm not going to make a mess of this. How many know you don't want to give a large sum of money to a fool? <laughs> you give, you dump a large sum of money on a fool, how many know that person is going to make a mess of their lives and probably some other lives? And so that's the wrong thing to seek. It's not bad in and of itself, but it's the wrong focus. You know, if you take someone who makes, uh, say, you know, $30,000 a year and you dump $10 million in their lap, how many know there's some concerns here? There really are. Now, someone else, they can, handle it and they can handle it easily and it would be fine. But if someone all of a sudden is given a boatload of money, come on, haven't we all imagined things like that happening before? And we thought, what would I do if, and if this happened? And I know if someone came to me and said, hey, I, Pastor, I was just, you know, given this large sum of money, I would say, well, how much are you used to? Receiving, How much did you have in your life and you just got that much money? For a lot of people, I would say, stop. Don't do anything except for tithe. Right? <laughs> I'm actually not joking in that. It's like you, got, you put God first and then you shut everything down for a while because you need wisdom. You need to have understanding, or you could make a mess of this. You could turn what could be a major blessing into a major headache. Yeah. Solomon sought after this wisdom, uh, an understanding heart. That's what we ought to be after as well. You know, Jesus said famously in, in, in Matthew 6.33, He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? You, you see the, the, what, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, seek first all these things, and God will be added to you. You know, like the person who said, as soon as I get this job, as soon as I get this bill paid for, then I'm going to start tithing. <laughs> no, you're not. I mean that in a sweet way. You are absolutely not going to do that. Jesus just said the opposite. I'm going with him rather than you. No, no disrespect, but Jesus is smarter than you. He's either going to be put first, his kingdom in our lives now, and then he adds things to us, not as soon as I get this thing, he'll be first in my life. 
yeah. But God's system is designed. It is uh, that the blessings of God, the provision of God is a byproduct of putting his business first. What this does for us is it keeps us from, uh, from making a mess of it. It keeps, it, it keeps the, the, the riches, the material things from harming us. If they come as a result of seeking him, then they can't hurt us when they arrive because our insides are already in the right place. I want to be inwardly sound, inwardly seeking after God, inward wisdom and understanding. Then whatever happens on the outside will be handled properly. Yeah? But too often, we're seeing it the other way. If I just had this, if I just need this, Lord, pour out this blessing on me over here. Stop! And back up and get first things first. You know, a... Uh, A man of God years ago, um, well-respected man of God, had a vision. The Lord appeared to him, Jesus, the head of the church. And in in the vision, he said, I want to teach you how to be led by my Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the Lord said to him in that vision, he he said, if you will learn to be led by my Spirit, I will make you rich. And it took him back, this person, because he thought, ah, that can't be right. That can't be God. He wouldn't say that. And the Lord followed up knowing what he's thinking. He said, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And that one little statement, it's like, well, that clears everything up. All these promises, yet warnings. Promise here, promise for abundance, yet watch out for it. Look out. He's not opposed to you being rich. He's opposed to you being covetous. And so if we can work out the inward commitment and dedication to God's plan and purpose, keeping him first in our lives, then let the blessings flow. It won't harm you. It will turn you into a blesser. You'll be a blessing wherever you go. Amen. Okay. Did you find Luke 12? It's right there where he left it. Luke chapter 12, notice in verse 13, it reads, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus would take your side over your brother? But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter, or arbitrator over you? I think that's funny. And he said to him, uh, uh, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Why don't you say this with with me? Say, my life life does not consist consist in the abundance of things that I possess. possess. It is much more more than that. Verse 16, then he spoke uh, a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. And he he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, 
You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you see the focus? It doesn't matter how much money, how much material things, how many material things someone has. If they're not rich towards God, they're a loser. I, mean, I don't mean that to, to sound overly harsh, but Jesus said he called this guy a fool. You have prioritized the wrong thing. He didn't say he was wrong for, for being successful. Normally, we would say if someone is that successful, they have a boatload of stuff, of money, we would say, wow, that person is full of wisdom. They must be super wise, but not in this case. Jesus called this supposedly super wise business guy a fool. Why was he a fool? He obviously knew how to do some things right, but he was a fool because he was not rich toward God. Sometimes we may idolize and look up to people in our country in our, and in our world who have amassed great wealth. They've built massive companies, and they're worth gazillions of dollars. And we think, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And I don't mean there's nothing you could learn from them on a business side or things of that nature. But I am telling you, we ought to get our, um, put our respect in the proper place. Some of these people you need to feel bad for. Say, man, it stinks to be him. All his gazillions of dollars, her, all these gazillions of dollars, and they're poor spiritually. They're poor towards God. That is not a win in life. Even if you get your name on a building and a name in the history books, your name will be forgotten forever if you're not rich towards God. That would be the most desired thing. Wisdom oftentimes leads to wealth, but one can also be a wealthy fool. Who's the fool? The one who's not rich towards God. This guy's actions shouted, me, 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 me. I will do this. I'll have a bigger barn and I'll do this. Dude, how's your spiritual life? I noticed since your, your business multiplied that you don't go to church anymore. I noticed you used to serve, but now you're too high and mighty. Rich towards God, that's what matters. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? <laughs> Amen. Psalm 37 is a great psalm. And uh, one verse out of Psalm 37 that I love, it, it's verse 4. 37, 4, it reads, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in who? In the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. So how do I do that? Well, one way you can do it is just by saying it. You can do this every day. It'll keep you on track. Keep your priorities right. Say, Lord, I delight myself in you today. Say, what, what if I feel like I'm not being sincere? Sincerely choose to do that. Independent of how you feel. Not everyone always feels a goosebump every time they praise God. Huh? I mean, don't you come in here sometimes and 
You, the mature people say, I don't care what I feel like. He is deserving of my praise. I'm going to shout and give him glory. Usually, usually the one who takes that approach, they leave with the skip in their step. <laughs> the feelings caught up. They were just a lagging indicator of their position with God. Yeah. So you can say it every day, Lord, I just rejoice in, your, in you. <laughs> You're the reason that I live. Oh, you're the joy of my heart. You satisfy my soul more than anything else, more than anything I'm going to do today. I want to serve you and please you. I delight myself in you. I am a lover of your presence, and that's all I want to be. And you just do that by faith, and you step out, and it keeps you on track, keeps everything in order. And then what happens? If you delight yourself in the Lord, He's going to keep you in the poorhouse to make sure you don't get off track. He's going to keep all the natural blessings away from you lest you turn them into a God. No, no. You delight yourself in Him, He gives you what you want. Yeah, He will give you what you want. Anybody want anything? See, now in this environment, everyone's like, no, nothing. I just want Jesus. I don't want anything else. That's not true, though. That's not, maybe in a moment, you, all you want is the Lord, but you want other stuff, and that's okay. When you delight yourself in the Lord, some of your desires will go away. And you'll look back and say, I used to want this so much, and now I don't even care about it. He will alter you. He'll fix anything, especially if it was sinful in nature. He wants to get that out. You delight yourself in the Lord. He's setting you up to succeed. But I'm telling you, even those who are faithfully serving God, walking with Him, they have natural desires that are fine. You can delight yourself in the Lord and still want a fast car. Can anybody relate? Yeah, see, real Christians, right? Real belief, real faith. Yeah, still want a fast Or you can still want a, uh, a nice, warm, sandy beach. And still love Jesus. And you're not worshiping it. Right? Or nice clothes or something, something else that's very unspiritual, yet you serve the Lord and you still want that and it's just fine and God wants you to have it. He wants you to be blessed with it. He wants you to have three of them. One for today, one for tomorrow, one to give to somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this is the will of God. It's the way of God. People have too much exalted the exterior though and they've lacked the internal. They've taken the focus off of, I need to seek God, delight myself in Him. And if when I'm praying, I'm asking Him for insight, wisdom, understanding, so I can walk in His ways. Praise God. Amen. Let me show you one more thing. Everybody up for one more thing, or two more things? Uh, You got a few more minutes? How many give me two? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twelve. Turn to Genesis 12. We just got a few more minutes. Some of you know I can say this because he's got another service and he can't run it late. (laughs) Uh, Genesis chapter 12. One of the the great examples in the Bible that we are given is a guy named Abraham. Abram, his name was later through the covenant changed to Abraham. Abraham is an example of faith. You read Romans 4, other places, it says, do what Abraham did. Abraham did it this way. Abraham, he's a father of faith, and he, he got it. He got some things before Jesus. 
And he, he understood these principles of faith. And so in Abraham's life, I just want you to see a couple things. Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2 reads, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. All right? So who's telling him this? This is God telling him, I'm going to make you great. So say, oh, the Lord would never, never say that. He would never want to make anyone great. He himself needs to hold the position of greatness. And the Lord is not insecure. He's not trying to keep you down so he can stay up. He is who he is. He knows that you're never going to dislodge him from his throne. And so he's not trying to hold us down, keep us small. He wants to lift you up, just wants to do it in a way that you don't get puffed up and self-exalted and proud, arrogant like the devil and get kicked out, right? Keep him on the throne, but he wants to make you great. That's what he did with Abram. He said, I want to do this, and I want to bless you so much that it overflows and you become a blessing, yeah? Now, Now, chapter 13, then, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And so it's already working here. God said, I want to make your name great. I want to bless you so much. Say, well, that's a spiritual blessing. It's just kind of a glow that he walked around in. Uh, just that he has had peace inside. No, that's not actually how the blessing was defined in his life. Because bef- just after the Lord says this, all of a sudden we see, wow, Abram is a wealthy dude. He's got livestock and silver and gold. And by the way, it was God who did this to him. If it were going to harm him, you think the Lord would really do that? Why would the Lord put something in someone's life that's going to take them away from him? No. When it's done God's way, when it is the blessing of the Lord, it's not a detraction from what is most important. And then chapter 15, in verse 1, reading this one from the Amplified, 15.1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Interesting how the Lord described himself to Abram. He said, I am your shield. Reward, which means an abundant compensation. Can I tell you this another way? It pays to serve God. It pays to follow His plan for your life. Yes, it pays in eternity. Yes, there are rewards that will last forever. But I'm telling you, it pays in this life to follow His plan for your life. His plan for you does not include you going broke. His plan for you does not include you uh, in, in ending up in the poorhouse. God's plan for you is that you would be well supplied, abundantly supplied, so blessed that you would be a blessing. That's His will. We should never ever see, set aside God's will and plan for our lives because we think, well, if I do that, I am going to live in lack. I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be dissatisfied. Just the opposite's true. 
I tell you, following God's plan, doing what He says, He will be to you your, your healer, your savior, your for, for, forgiver of your sins. He will be to you your provider and your abundant compensation. Yeah. Because how many know when the believer, when the child of God is blessed for following God's plan, they're not going around saying, I'm so awesome. I'm so brilliant. I'm so something better than ever. If, if the Lord's blessing is in your life, you're going around saying, do you see what the Lord did for me? God did this for me. He helped me get out of this debt. He helped me build this. He helped me be a blessing over here. He, see that nice vehicle I drive? The Lord gave me that. Yeah, not proud, not claiming self-sufficiency, but our sufficiency is of Him. We know it. He knows it. We're thankful, and we have a smile on our face. I want to challenge you today to be rich in a different way than what the world seeks. To be rich in God. That means it's for His purpose. That means it's His way. It is... Uh, It it is not self-seeking. It is not looking to find satisfaction in it. But it is the blessing of God enabling us to be a blessing wherever we go. Praise God. One last verse. Proverbs chapter uh, 10 and verse 22 reads this way. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. What does that? Certainly that's the devil, right? No, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. It's the blessing of the Lord. That's what I want. I don't want, I don't want just anything, any way, any method, no matter what I have to compromise. No, no, no. I'm not satisfied with that. In fact, I don't even want it. But if it's the blessing of the Lord, yeah, I want that. And here's what the blessing of God will do in your life. It'll make you rich. Yeah. And you know what else? You won't be sad. There's a whole lot of rich people that are sad. They're filled with sorrow. And there are people that live in fear of losing what they have. It's, they sleep with it. Ah, they're constantly gnawing at them. I can't lose what I've gained. The blessing of the Lord, it'll make you rich and you'll have no sorrow. So you smile with it. Amplified reads, the blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. So we're not working ourselves to the bone. We're not stressed out. We're restful inside. We got rest in inwardly, confidence in God. He's on the throne. He's first in our lives. We daily seek him for wisdom and guidance to, to en- enable us to see things the way he does. In the middle of that life, that focused on Him life, the blessings flow unhindered. And yeah, some people will have a, will have a problem with it. And some people will yappity yap 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 if you get too much money. But you're, you're laying your head on your pillow at night in peace. Because you know you're right with God. And He could talk to you at any moment and say, do this or do this. And you'd do it. Amen? Why don't you say it with me today? Say, Father God, thank you for working in me. I believe that you are a blesser. You want to bless me. My job is to keep you first. 
your kingdom first. I'm seeking you for an understanding heart. Share with me your wisdom. And then let the blessings flow. Your way, not the world's way. I will not focus on them. I find my satisfaction in you and you alone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings in our lives today.